everyone out there. Uh, we thank God for such a another beautiful day. It's overcast, but it's beautiful. Uh, all these flowers are blooming. The trees are bloomed out. I mean, it's just there's like a, the freshness of the years right here with us in this May. So thank God for you all, all you mothers. You mothers are you mothers rock. Amen. Mothers rock out. Praise God. So we thank God for you, every one of you all. Mothers in the natural, you know, mothers educationally, mm -hmm. mothers who have mm -hmm. who stepped into the role of motherhood. Um, it's just without you, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> you know how to carry us and you carried us and you got us into this world. So we thank God for all of those sacrifices that you all have given. Amen. Um, you know, times where you give everybody the attention and the strength before you even do anything for yourself. It's just tremendous, the power of a mother. You are superpowers of the world. So we thank God for you all. Um, today we are in our episode 10 or uh, part Tenth 10. Installment. Tenth installment of this series, which is amazing. 10 installments and we got more, but we're talking about breaking barriers to relational wellness as you guys and ladies who've been watching have been following this if I had an audience and we were doing things in person, I would say, raise your hands if you've been blessed by this series. Now, throw some hearts. Throw some hearts out there if you've been blessed by this series. Throw some emojis. Throw some shares out there of these uh, episodes if it's blessed your heart or blessed your life. So, anyhow, today we are going. Oh, happy Mother's Day to Pastor Shante. Uh, a mother of many uh, in the in the spirit and in educational and in all kind of ways, praise the Lord. So anyway, breaking barriers to relational wellness. Today we are on the segment of philia, is in the Greek is called philia, which is considered mentally loyal love, mm -mm -mm. also known as friendship. Okay. Also known as friendship. It's already good right there. Hallelujah. Mentally loyal love. The love that's not necessarily eros. We studied that very well. Uh, we know we got agape, loving all. But this one is very focused. It's very um, direct. It's, very, um, it's a point where you just embrace someone's life. To wish them well in all of their phases of life. They're not being fair weather. So anyway, if you look at it, uh, philia, it's a mental love. It's an affectionate regard or friendship based on, the, you know, ancient Greek, okay? It's the love that has give and take. It's not just one-sided. Like agape is one side. You give it, it keeps going, and it keeps going regardless of what people do. But whereas this here... Philia, it is an exchange, you know, it's a give and take in your friendship because you share with one another, okay? Um, it's dispassionate virtual love, but it's a concept really developed by Aristotle. But to me, in my opinion, I think we're going to go into it. One of the greatest examples of friendship, I think one of the most powerful examples of friendship in the scripture is David and Jonathan. Okay, so look at that. Look at this. In you look at the ethics, philia 
is expressed as loyalty to friends, family, community, and requires it requires virtue, number one, virtue. There's no darkness in it. You don't support darkness. You don't really embrace uh, uh, evil and support things like that. That's like vicious, okay? It's virtue. It's equality means that, like we said earlier, it's give and take. Not just one person taking and one person giving. It's give and take. You share. It's an exchange. Okay? Reciprocal. And there's familiarity to it. So, in other words, you really have a tendency to become literally like siblings, in essence. That's what friendship is like. Okay? It's like you become like almost like blood. As they say, brother from another mother. Sister from another mister, as they say in our <laughs> urban regards, okay? Um, how do we, where do we start here? Let's go to Samuel, First Samuel chapter 18. Let's get there. Let's get there. We all need phylos, philia, excuse me, friends. We all need friends. No man is an island. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody wants someone who will look after and care about them. Mm-hmm. Everybody has someone you want to care about. That's not necessarily in your direct family. Okay? So, 1 Samuel 18, I'm going to go in from uh, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read it in the Amplified, then I'll read it in the message. Okay? So, look at this. We know the story of David. You know, David, he was that boy in the back backwoods, the backwoods boy that had a good look, that knew how to hunt, that knew how to play, that knew had all these things he did because really, if you look at his backstory, he was not really appreciated by his brothers. So a little backstory, David literally was a loner. His brothers, even during the parts when the spiritual impetus was going on in his family, he wasn't even there. So some of you all, just to get, oh my God, even get started, you feel like you're an outcast of your own family. God says, even if your family does not embrace you, God has someone to befriend you. That's straight from the throne. Even if family doesn't embrace you, God has someone of virtue that will befriend you. So even David, as far as the backstory, we know his story, you know, um, about how he killed Goliath. You know, we know his story about how he had the lion and he had the bear and everything. And we know the story about how he was commissioned to do music for the king. So even a lot of times, even though we are skilled, we have strength to take out the biggest foes in life. Although we have skill to entertain mm-hmm. and bring peace to people, there's still an aspect of your life that is empty. Because until this chapter where we're going into, David really had no one to talk to as a buddy in his corner in his corner this is important i know this yeah i had brothers and everything i do 
Um, many of us had siblings, but sometimes even with siblings, you feel like they're off doing their thing. You know, you're just out on your own in la-la land. And sometimes it really feels like you're by yourself. God has an answer for that. Okay. Look at this. First Samuel 18, verse 1 through 4. All right. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the king, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own life. Saul took David that day it would not let him return to his father's house. Okay, this is really important. Don't miss this. Saul took in David that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Jesse was his father. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own life. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David, his armor, even his sword, his bow, and his girdle. You know, you know the, the thing that holds that robe together. Now, when we look at this here in the I mean, in the message, let's look at it from the message. By the time David had finished reporting to Saul, Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. I love this because this urban vernacular gets it really clear. An immediate bond was forged between them. He became totally committed to David. From that point, he would become David's number one advocate and friend. Saul received David into his own household that day, no more to return to the home of his father. Jonathan, out of the deep love for David, made a covenant with him. He formalized it with solemn gifts, his own royal robe and weapons, armor, sword, bow, and belt. Now, go ahead, Prophet Shante. Something so profound here that I didn't, I haven't seen before. You know how many times I've studied David just <laughs> as a worshiper and yes. as a, a warfare warrior leader. But Jonathan becomes impressed with David. He forges this immediate bond with David because of what he sees in David in relation to his father. Mm -hmm. He is so struck by, and I hope I'm not taking your points, but he is so struck by David's addressing of Saul and the kingdom and how he presents himself to his own father that there is an immediate bond struck between him and David. See, this is so important because your integrity will stir the heart of those in leadership. It was David's integrity. He was not being flirtatious 
as a lot of people would like to misalign the scripture to make it seem like this was an inordinate affection, it was not. David was reporting to the king. The importance of that is this. You don't just come in casually and haphazardly and just cavalierly expressing yourself and bringing you know, notification to the king about the service that you're providing for whatever you're doing. There was class, there was dignity, there was truth, there was equity. I mean, uh, uh, integrity, excuse me. So what happens is, as we live lives of integrity, as we live lives of truth, as we live lives of effectiveness, it will stir the hearts of people that you would never expect. David didn't go to Saul's to expect to gain favor with Saul's son. You see, in ministry, a lot of times we see in this current day and age we live in, from politics to, to religion, whatever, everybody is so opportunistic. But you got to go in there and, 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 and work this, work your work and, 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 and in essence, seduce people into relations. Go ahead, Prophet. And this is so important because in a family, of course, a royal family like this, right, that was given or selected by the people and, you know, endorsed by God because God said this is what the people wanted at the time. You have to recognize that some people would completely bypass Saul to curry favor with Jonathan. So even in the fact that he wasn't doing that, that he went directly to the king, that he was he committed a service in honor of the nation. Mm -hmm. He committed a service in respect for the king. Mm -hmm. He didn't let the king put his life on the line. Mm -hmm. He went out there and, and did the defeating, right? So Jonathan saw a brother in him mm -hmm. by the way that he addressed his father. Right, right. See, what happens is you never know the hearts that you're encouraging by your ethical presentation of your skill and your talent. In my own life, I can tell you that there are people who I've encountered in my professional career, because of my presentation, I remember an example of an experience in Gainesville, Florida, if I testify. Gainesville, Florida, I remember dealing with a client um, and project manager uh, for, the, for the city that I was working, uh, department I was working with. He was so impressed by my presentation of ethical presentation, creative ability that we got selected as a firm to do the, the work for the city. In the process of that, because of my reporting to the city manager, this young man was basically a second generation of his family who was very powerful in that community. I didn't know this, but there was an experience that occurred there was a Goliath that was literally in the design community that was trying to uphold, trying to block the work we were doing for a black community. Next thing you know, this man, the first time this ever happened to me, I actually 
had a prayer with him. We got to the point where we were able to pray together before a meeting with the city commission. And it was publicized, it was televised, and my presentation, that commission caused the commissioners to approve something they were set against. From that experience, from that reporting, this young man and I became wonderful friends. And he would always tell me this. He invited me to his family. Um, he has three daughters. Uh, you know, actually did some photo shoots with his families. And, and we became such strong friends to this day. Even though we don't see each other and talk every day, there is such a strength in our friendships that it became an issue when I went through tryingest times of my life. I remember he came and visited Washington, D.C. And he said, I got to see you. He said, Robert, you're going through stuff, but we're watching you. I'm watching you. People are watching you. He was watching me and my challenges that I was dealing with. And he was very supportive of making sure I didn't fail. And it just turns out that even as I begin to flip in my career and my life begin to transform, he had to go through challenges in his life and what he seen and the way I held myself by the, literally by the grace of God, it strengthened him to do and to face some of the Goliaths he had to deal with in his life. So what happens is there are people that you cannot, this is the thing, you cannot be suspicious of every single thing. You, a lot of times God has someone there to befriend you to be a strength to you, to walk with you through the valleys of the shadow of death, to be an encouragement to your life and that your life be an encouragement to theirs. And if you sit there and walk around with a chip on your shoulder or with suspicion or paranoia, you'll lose the very strength of what God is trying to provide for you. Because no man is an island. David was an island until he met Jonathan. Look at this. David was a nobody. He came on a scene to fight a national terror. Mm -hmm. Upon his godly success, upon his godly success, he captures the crown prince of the kingdom he saved. Jonathan was a crown prince. We hear about the crown prince Abdullah like in Saudi Arabia and we hear about the crown prince and you see how much power and much influence they are. Like particularly in Saudi Arabia, the crown prince is the one who really runs the country because the, the king himself was is very old and very frail. That wasn't necessarily the case here with Saul, but when you look at the crown prince, people see that crown prince as the next generation of the kingdom. So people, when they want to get into the ground floor of a royal or a leadership environment, they literally have to politic their way to deal with the crown prince. The number two, David did not have to do that. He didn't have to scheme. He did not have to go around corners. He was just honest about himself. And the prince was impressed. And the prince opened his heart and opened his treasure to this individual. There are people in life that God has set to gift things to you, to give you armor, to give you resources, 
to give you a mantle because of the friendship that God is ordained to strengthen you through all the days of your life. Oh, this is powerful. Men, particularly in this case, when you go out on a limb, you will get the attention of those in leadership who did not have the courage you did. Because a lot of times, your courage, your faith, the strength that you ex express in this public sphere will bring people to you as friends. People who will be connected to you mentally and loyally. Look at this. The thing that's so amazing is this. His own brothers mocked him. David's own brothers, his flesh and his blood, mocked him, doubted him, devalued him, literally treated his their little brother like a slave. In the old days, they would have called him the do boy. The do boy, as they would say. <laughs> That is such an embarrassment. And they did that publicly. They didn't do it privately. They did that publicly. Sometimes our families will make a public shame of us. But don't lose heart. David still followed through. People are watching how you respond even when your family doesn't respond well to you. Listen. <laughs> Say that again. Give me some tissue, please, babe. Ah, oh, Jesus. God bless the Lord Jesus. Oh my God. Oh, praise break. Jesus. The Holy One is speaking to someone today. Even when your family doesn't respond well to you, they mock you, they belittle you, even when you want to, when you all you want to do is bring the talents that you know you have to the world, not for self gain or anything, and you're mocked by your own people, ridiculed by your own people. God will sit there and give you family. His own flesh and blood mocked him. The king's son embraced him. So the rejection of one side will bring the great acceptance to another because of your integrity. Prophet. And as the saying goes, we don't get to choose our family, right? We don't get to choose um, mm. the family that we're born into. And so you can tell that uh, even if you go back some and you and you look at the encounter that David is having with his uh, siblings, you can tell that David wants to be there. He wants to go on the front line. He he wants to bring his brothers food. He wants to serve his brothers. 
So he he doesn't even do it out of a uh, begrudging sort of duty, but they take it as him just trying to get in on the action, right? They take it as him trying to quote unquote be somewhere that he's not supposed to be. And so um, we don't always, we don't get to choose our family, but we do get to choose our friends. And the fact that as the text says here, that out of his deep love, he made a covenant with David. You don't, you don't strike up uh, an agreement. A covenant is a very serious thing. And especially coming from someone of royal lineage who is expected to take over. Right? So he makes this covenant with him. And then he doesn't just say what he's going to do. The scripture says he formalizes it with solemn gifts. He gives David his own royal robe, his own weapons, his own armor, his own sword, his own bow, his own belt. What he is essentially saying here in this covenant is whatever is mine is yours. Whatever authority I have is yours. Ah, That's it. I have this robe, which is a symbol of my um my royalty but also my protection i i am protected by the crown so whatever protection i have you have that's what he's in, engaging in in that covenant go ahead Apostle. this is so good his robe and his weapon his leadership and his authority Rope represents power. Weapon represents authority. So people in leadership will give you the very jewels of their existence because they see the integrity and the value of your life. That is philia. Mentally loyal love. God will give you men or God will give you women who are loyal to you because of your heroic qualities. And it will have nothing to do with inordinate affection as the world likes to promote in every fabric in this current 21st century. Jonathan loved him as a brother, not as a spouse or a lover. lover. He loved him honestly as a brother. Men, you can love other men as your brothers. We cannot let 21st century culture diminish the strength that is there for bonding and strengthening of one another. Don't let this age corrupt brotherly or sisterly love. Mm -hmm. Because you'll miss it. Because what will happen is you'll be so concerned. Even in my personal life, you get so concerned about various actions of people that I will miss the very power and authority that God is trying to grant unto me through them. Let me say this for those in the back. 
loving someone of the same sex as a as a sibling is not a sin. Don't let politics corrupt the friendship and the allegiances God will put into your life. Don't be afraid to befriend, to love, and to honor others in a godly way. Break those barriers and let this relational wellness come forth in friendships. Use your discernment so you do not crush the people who will be loyal to you. Think about if David had an inappropriate response to Jonathan. He would have made himself an enemy of state. You can't be rude and disrespectful and treaty people and belittle people, especially in your moment of accolade. Jonathan was not really, and another thing about it, Jonathan may not have been considered very highly by Saul. So literally, and this was important, literally Saul took in David as a son because he felt like his own son wasn't adequate enough. There are people who have self-esteem issues in royal places. And God will take you in, not just for you to be a puppet of the person taking you in, but to be a strength of the person who needs the esteem strengthening. God chose David for Jonathan and God chose Jonathan for David because both of them were outcasts of their own family. So God used two people with very similar experiences on, on two different sides of the fence, connect them together so the strength of God can raise them both in their personal wellness. Somebody's teaching today. I don't know who. I'm just sitting here. My mouth is running, but this, this, this is not me. Jesus. Will you give your best for the noble person that you admire because of their godly fruit? There's some people God had designed for us to give things to, to embrace. So their lives can be strengthened in the midst of their heroism because being a hero is lonely. We've all watched, you know, uh, Marvel comics. We see how lonely Batman is. We see how lonely Superman is. Go save the world but have nobody to deal with. Nobody to talk to. Even in their relationships. Batman needed a Robin. <laughs> Superman needed a Lois Lane. <laughs> Where do you think they got that from? They got that from scripture. Prophet. I was going to say you just hit on something right there. Because a lot of times people don't recognize that yes, a person may be gifted and people may be drawn to the gift, 
but your gift and your greatness often puts you out of reach of the ordinary. Mm. Mm. Many people, like even when you look at Oprah Winfrey, she says she doesn't have very many friends. Look how powerful she is. Look how she came off her being uh, uh, just her. Just look at the matriculation of her life and how powerful she is. And for her to say, even in this stage of her life, she does have very many friends. But the ones who are there are like Jonathan and David type engagements. Because as strong and as powerful she is to the world, there's a soul that she has that needs strengthening from a friend. Mm-hmm. We must all remember that. Oh my gosh. This is some powerful scriptures. This is some powerful work today. Let's jump down to Samuel 19, 1 Samuel 19. Uh, read verse 1 through 6. Now, this is another thing that's even amazing. This is another, let's look at the flip side of the whole situation of friendship and why God puts people together. You never know. God always does things ahead of time. He always manages to beat the clock of the enemy, of the adversary. He always does. Samuel 19, 1 Samuel 19. Verse 1 through 6. Now read this from the message. Saul called his son Jonathan together with his servants and ordered them to kill David. Now just one chapter earlier, Saul took David in as a son. Flip one chapter over. Saul called his son, Jonathan, and the servants and ordered his son, Jonathan, and the servants to kill David, prophet. (laughs) And again, the wisdom of God allowing Jonathan to make a covenant with David about loyalty puts an ally for David directly in the kingdom. It's amazing how God designs relationships. God designed this mentally loyal love and this covenant strengthening a bearing love of brotherhood between David and Jonathan, even that superseded the wickedness of his father. Look where Jonathan sits. He says, on one hand, the man who birthed him, who is the king of the nation, has ordered the death of his best friend. That is agonizing. But the strength in this all is the covenant he gave with David. He had a covenant with his friend that was greater than family. This is a a Christ-like example. Jesus said he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
the friendship that Christ gives to us by the covenant we make with Christ will allow him to bring protection to us when the very adversaries come into our lives and want to destroy us. Let me keep reading. Saul called his son Jonathan together with his servants and ordered them to kill David. But because Jonathan treasured David, he went and warned David. God will give you covenant relationships that will help you not to be consumed, that will give you foresight about peril that's ahead of your life so that you can maneuver appropriately during these seasons. Look at this. He went and warned him. My father is looking for a way to kill you. Here's what you are to do. Jonathan gave David instructions. He knew his father. There's people who, see, and this is an important thing. My prophet Shantae, if I bring the story up, we, you know, I was formerly in the Republican Party. I'm no longer there now. Shantae was in the Republican Party a little bit longer than me. Should God put her there to help warn people who have a good soul and good heart in that party about, imperil, about the peril that's coming to that party? That's literally like what Saul and Jonathan was doing. I mean, David and Jonathan were doing. There are people who are in the camp of the adversary who God brings covenant to you so that they can sit there and give the game plan of the adversary to you so you can win. We speak tremendously about abolition work about the ability to overcome racism, to denounce it. God would bring people who are racists or families of racists into your life mm -hmm. to bring covenant with you so that they can give you the insight about what their lineage is trying to do to destroy you and your kind. Don't cut them off. Let God use them. God will use people in the camp of the adversary to befriend you, to strengthen you, to lead you, and to guide you and to give you wisdom for leadership. Around the landmines. Around the landmines. Look what he says. Tomorrow morning, hide, stay hidden. Look at it. Don't be out in public. Hide, stay hidden. Hide, stay hidden. You know people... Oh, David, who he think he is? Who he think he is? He don't know me. Who know me? Oh, oh, who am I? <laughs> who he think he is? He the king, so what? He don't know who I am. You know what I did before? You know some people get that attitude and that ego. Pride. Yeah. That pride. <laughs> Jonathan said, go hide yourself. Get your behind somewhere hidden. <laughs> and he said, and stay there hidden. I go out to my father into the field where you are hiding. I'll talk about you with my father and we'll see what he says 
and then I will report back to you. Verse 4. Jonathan brought up David with his father, speaking well of him. Please, he said to his father, don't attack David. He hasn't wronged you, has he? And just look at all the good he has done. He put his life on the line when he killed the Philistine. What a great victory God gave Israel that day. You were there. You saw it and were on your feet applauding with everyone else. So why would you even think of sinning against an innocent person killing David for no reason whatsoever? Look at verse 6. And I'll pause. Saul listened to Jonathan and said, You are right. As God lives, David lives, he will not be killed. You see the power of friendship? You see the power of friendship? The power of friendship will advocate for you in the heat of the moment. There are angels God has assigned to your lives to be able to go into the heart of those who want to consume you to change their disposition about you. That's covenant prophet. And I just want to go back and point out some things because even as you're reading and, and Saul is in this, what they call a black mood or a, a, a mentally distressed state that he goes back and forth in. There are some things here that, that even as you read is coming out about what covenant relationships do, right? Covenant in a covenant relationship, a person advocates for you, not against you. Mm -hmm. In a covenant relationship, a person warns you when you have fallen into disfavor of other people. In a covenant relationship, people do things to save your life, mm -hmm. not endanger your life. Mm -hmm. In a covenant relationship, people offer you directions and instructions that's going to help you and not harm you. Mm -hmm. People, and, and even if you fall into trouble, your friend doesn't abandon you with no question, right? He followed up with him when he was in trouble. He said, I'm going to get back with you. I'm going to report back my findings and then oftentimes when we ask right for people to intercede for us sometimes i think that people don't understand um the nature of intercession jonathan in this moment is interceding for david to intercede means to get in between mm -hmm. he got in between david and the danger oh <laughs> David and the danger. Oh you want friends that know how to get in between you and danger who have, as the scripture talks about, words that are fitly spoken are like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Jonathan knew what to say in the moment that was able to uh, cause his father's direction of murder to subside. So I don't just want a friend who's going to boost me up to go get myself killed because mm -hmm. people's friends do that all the time, right? I want a friend that knows how to intercede, that knows how to get in between me and danger and diffuse and disarm the danger. 
Go ahead. Woo! A good friend will intervene and intercede, as she says. A mentally loyal friend will go to their close associations, family, peers, and leaders to articulate your sincerity. So, and your loyalty and your freedom in the midst of their rage. Listen, sometimes it takes a friend to tell us to sit down. <laughs> sit down, I got this. Because of David in his military wherewithal that he had, Went out and tried, oh, he want to kill me? We're going we gonna to fix this. We're going to fix this. You know how gangs get. Oh, someone put out a hit on me? What? Okay, we're going to hit them back. We're going to hit them first. We're going to get them first. You know how it goes. A good friend will tell you how to stand down. As she said so eloquently, Prophet Shante. A good friend, a loyal friend, will stand in the gap to advocate for your life. They will be your counselor. Oh my gosh. There is so much to say here. There's so much to say here, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to pause at this point and we can finish the next part of this friendship discussion dialogue on next Sunday. Praise God. We thank God for you all. I'm going to turn it over to Prophet Shante. She can pray us through and give closing remarks. Thank you so much, Prophet. Keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on God for sure. That's what friends are for, for good times and bad times. He'll be on your side forevermore. That's what God is for. One of the things he's for. What a powerful teaching. Um, I'm like apostle over here. I had a whole bunch more I wanted to say too, but we are going to uh, not overwhelm you today with the text. This is some good meat, hopefully, that you will sit with. As I like to say, sit with it. It's meditation may. Um, sit with what it means to be a friend. Ask yourself, am I being a friend? Do I have a accurate understanding of what it means to be a friend? And if I don't, am I willing to go back and ask God to help me to unlearn some things and also to pick up some things so that I can improve in being a better friend to those who are around me? Think about your friends on today. Who have you made lifetime covenants with? Have you kept those covenants? 
Have you broken them? Remember, friendship is about advocacy. Friendship at times is about warning. Friendship at times is about giving helpful directions. And friendship is definitely about interceding. Intervening or getting in between sometimes our friend and the danger. So we're just going to pray um, into this today. Very, very powerful word from Apostle today. I took plenty of notes. Um, so let's go, go ahead and pray. And also I want to say happy Mother's Day uh, to each of you who are viewing. Those of you who are mothers by birth, mothers by adoption, mothers by simply care. Um, happy Mother's Day to you as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for this word on today, this impactful and empowering word about the power of philia, the power of uh, mental loyalty, the power of friendship. Father, help us in our own lives, in our own walks to be friends. Some of us have, have become friends, to not only family members, but some of us have become friends with our family members. We know that's not always a given. But even if you have not given us friends within our family, some of us have been given the gift of friendship and those friends have become like family. So Father, we ask that you bless our friendships. We ask God that you help us to be good friends. We ask Father God that you help us to continue to grow in our grace for our friends. We ask Father God that you help us to have a mind that is loyal a heart that will advocate, words that will benefit and be fruitful and bless the life of our friends. And in turn, let us receive friends that will be blessings to us. Let us not be suspicious or uh, un unusually paranoid about the people that we come into contact with. Let us, Father, be open to new friendships, to new connections that you want to bring into our life. We thank you, Father, for these words. Let the words go into us. Let us meditate on that which is good. Let us meditate on how we can be better friends. Let us meditate, Father, and also not just meditate, but move into action. Change some things in our life that need to be changed. And, Father, strengthen what needs to be strengthened. It is in your Son, Jesus' name, that we do believe, receive, and pray. Amen and amen. We want to thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for your time and attention. If you would like to give, um, you can check out the various links and things on our page that also point you to how you can support uh, this ministry. Thank you all so very much. I pray that you have a wonderful Mother's Day. Take care and God bless.